Listeners, you're listening to another episode. I usually say another exciting episode. Eh. <laughs> Not this week. Nah, we're going to take it easy this week. Another episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we get... Let's do that again. <clears throat> this, is a pod... this is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we'll talk about Recently Watched, which we will try to not spoil. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it digitally. Say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we're not professional critics. We're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Hello. So, fellas, we're here again. One classic. Another classic. (laughs) (laughs) I have the accessory kit from the NECA Dracula. And it's got the famous armadillo and the possum. Naka, those are the guys that make the wafers, right? Yes. I think they went out of business and then someone else was like, but people want these. Like, they were like, well, we have a whole warehouse. You're in luck. Those shits don't sell. <laughs> right. So if, if you have the Dracula figure, you can have the armadillo up one way. And if you have the leather face figure, you can have it up yes. another way. Yeah. yeah. Watch See? out. You can get leprosy from those things. <laughs> TCM. Turner Classic Movies? Uh-huh, yeah. Whenever you see that abbreviation, it's like, well, that, that can be taken two ways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, since last time, um, recently watched. You uh, go. Want me to go? Yeah, why not? All right. Well, I think uh, in addition to listening to some of the old, like, early 1970s CBS radio mystery theater on the uh, Internet Archive, in addition to that, things I've watched... Um, I rewatched The Thing from Another World, which, of course, is the Howard Hawks movie. And I got to say, you know, I, I paid a little more attention uh, than sometimes I might, you know, because sometimes I'll put on a movie I've already watched and it's like, I'll get up and switch the laundry or whatever. And I just decided, you know what, the movie's not, you know, it's a 1951 movie, you know, uh, what is it like 80 minutes long? Probably. It's not, yeah, let me, let me just look it's not it up. Not very long. I'll look it up real quick here. Uh, I know this is unpopular, but I prefer this movie to Carpenters. I, th- there's a charm to the fifties movies. I think maybe it's cause I grew up with this one. Mm, that could do it. But I felt like everybody was competent in that movie, which was more than rare you, yeah you, know, you didn't see i don't know more something. than you could say for a lot of flying saucer movies yeah i also think that image of the saucer under the ice just mm. burned into my mind and i great i couldn't wait to see what was and it was so fresh then 
Yeah. This is like the first time. I had never seen anything like that as a little kid. I remember watching this and them and just blown away. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the the still photo of the guys standing in a circle with their arms out to measure the size of the saucer. It's just like there's a still photo that you can grab of that that that's just cool. Like out of context for people who aren't familiar with this movie, they'd be like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are they doing? Is this real? Yeah. But, um, there was not just like a naivete, but also um, there was a freshness to the whole flying saucer thing. Like it hadn't been happening for that long. No. And there was a lot to be concerned about, they you know. They'd only started calling them flying saucers like four years before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was because <clears throat> because of the guy who... He was misunderstood by most people, but uh, but there was a guy who was um, uh, flying in, uh, I think it was near Mount Rainier. Yeah. And he said that they moved like saucers skipping over water. Jack Arnold, I think was his yeah, I think name it was Jack or... Arnold. And uh, and he just, he was just like, yeah, this, this, this is how they moved. He didn't say they were saucer shaped. I think he said they were kind of chevron shaped or something. Yeah. Or boomerang shaped, but... Um, People just went, yeah, 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 got it, got it. Saucers, saucers. Yeah, I heard you. So anyway, saucers. This guy saw saucers. Saw saucers. Yeah, it's the 1940s. We all talk like this. Yeah, real fast, you know. Yeah, yeah see? So. <laughs> I don't have time to wait around. <laughs> right. I got to uh, take this ridiculously large camera and this hat with press sticking out of it and get out of here. Scram. So anyway, uh, yeah, there was a newness to this. And... Uh, and it's it's based on a really good novella, mm-hmm. Who Goes There, 1938, by John Campbell, John W. Campbell Jr. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's a great short story. It gives you a lot of visuals that they brought to life pretty well. I mean, the creature didn't look like it was described in the book, but that's okay. I mean, you got James Arnaz. It sounded really different. Yeah. Is yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This is good cast. Um, Howard Hawks, you know, yeah. di- directing, um, geez, uh, here, let's, let's, it's, uh, Christian Nyby officially directing it. Oh, really? But, um, it was, I, no one knows the, the whole story of who actually directed it, but. Kind of like Poltergeist. There's an acolyte <laughs> of Howard Hawks and everyone was well rehearsed by Howard Hawks and Howard Hawks supervised it. Um, and and then if you watch later Christian Nyby movies, you can tell he, you know, he'd learned things, but they weren't as good. You know? Yeah, yeah, didn't have that snap. His son directed a lot of uh, emergencies and <laughs> Adam and Twelves. I've noticed. Yeah, did you feel like like maybe uh, people were just tired of gangster movies at this point and wanted something different? You know, cowboy movies and gangster movies. It's like flying saucer movies, giant insect movies. This is. That was was a lot of coverage in the press of sources and lots of reports. Yeah. But. And uh, and there's like. And it fed into the whole paranoia of the time. Yeah. Yeah. World War II drove up all those monsters that were living underground, you know? Yes. Millions and millions of years. We finally disturbed them. I got up, walked around for 20 years, and went back to sleep. 
I, I'd really like that's one of those bits of uh, footage I'd really like to see. They they did um, some test footage of because they wanted to have the uh, transforming creature like in the yeah. story, but they just couldn't couldn't work the technology at the time. Yeah, but apparently they shot some stuff where they had him extending his arms. Ooh, when you're like stretching, like yeah. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Ooh, neat. I'd like to see that, but it's not turned up. But then you flash forward to, what, 1984, Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, Freddy Krueger stretching his arms didn't look very real. Now, granted, maybe they were on a low budget, but... (laughs) Yeah. You could definitely tell that that was some hinged sticks with gloves on the end. Anywho, um, so that one was great on the rewatch, and I gave it... um, Pretty much my undivided attention. I didn't let much take That's me funny. In. I watched it too this week. Did you? Mm-hmm. On Tubi? Yes, on Tubi. <laughs> I thought the picture was too clear finally. Oh. Like I can see every detail, whereas maybe it was better when it was on a little fuzzy, you know, black and white, 13-inch black and white television. 72 You were watching it like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> Parents let you stay up because they love this movie. Well, I was um, I was kind of uh, remembering that I had watched the uh, reimagining of uh, Evil Dead from 2013. Mm-hmm. It's been ten years. It's like has it really been? It's an old movie now. Yeah, it's a it's a classic like the <laughs> Babadook. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, the one directed by Fede Alvarez, and this is his uh, feature directorial debut. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, pretty cool to see that you know um you know someone who was given something that big to work on who'd only previously done shorts before that um sam raimi and bruce campbell produced on this one but uh you know they didn't seem to get in the way of what alvarez was doing as a director it it, it, everything worked (coughs) but um it only sticks to the movie just so much to where it feels like you know, part of part of the Evil Dead, uh, this whole pantheon of movies and TV yeah. series and who knows, cartoons maybe, <laughs> but uh, the franchise, the franchise, yeah, the the franchised characters, the franchised concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really didn't get, uh, you know, like oh, we're gonna bring Bruce back for this, and or we're gonna have a different guy be Ash. You know, it's just like we're not doing that. We're not doing that specific character and i liked it uh this one had not any comic relief that i could point at it's pretty much just straight horror Mm. pretty terrifying and some pretty gory effects i really enjoyed the rewatch so um yeah if people haven't watched it in a while and, and what's cool about this one and i guess what got me thinking about it was there's a new one evil dead rise uh which i have not gone and seen yet this one had a budget of seventeen million. That's a good. That's a good budget. Made ninety-seven and a half million at the box office, hmm. for being a movie that a lot of people just didn't bother to see. Well, apparently a lot of people did bother to see it. Uh, the tongue slicing scene. Yeah. Yeah. That that maybe put people. I don't know if that put people off of going to see it, but that was in the preview. That was yeah. in the trailer. Uh, yeah. I didn't watch it because I just thought. Mm. What could you do? I mean, Evil Dead 2 was pretty much it. 
You just get I mean, a army of darkness is there, but yeah, yeah. I just like Evil Dead's two, almost perfect. Don't yeah. <clears throat> I didn't know where they could go really. And I enjoyed the TV series. I've not watched it. It's really it, fun. It really yeah. yeah. It is a good time. <clears throat> yeah, it's very self aware. Yeah, and and it and it lets you know that it knows it's self aware. It's not like, but it's, it's not it's not like horribly self-aware it's It's not winking at you you know you do care about the characters yes yeah they're a good ensemble like work off each other really well yeah there's a weariness to ash's character yeah he's like been through this all enough times you know it's it's cool i I gotta say you know like they do the uh you know that gear up montage thing (laughs) part of it's he's putting on a girdle (laughs) i mean that's pretty funny but yeah they've they have like a little kind of adventure uh, road trip theme to it. They keep, I think they're trying to catch up with the evil and send it back through the rift or something. So they keep like hearing of things going on and following it, I believe. It's either chasing them or they're following it, I forget. But yeah, the TV series is good too. Uh, so as far as that, like I said, uh, listen to some episodes of CBS Radio Mystery Theater. And, uh, man, there is, again, oboes and cellos and E.G. Marshall's voice just sets the mood. The story doesn't even have to be that scary. It's, it's like maybe I'm just, maybe PTSD from when I was a little kid. Maybe. It was scary back then. Uh, we watched She Said. <clears throat> this is a 2022 biographical drama about, oh, yeah. about the, um, me too movement as it got to be called but basically this is about bringing down harvey weinstein and uh these uh these reporters are just not going to give up well one in particular but there's a pair of reporters working for new york times that are just like you know what we're going at the story again and we're not going to get uh intimidated by weinstein and his people we're just going to we're going to get the story and we're going to tell it and a lot of people have been silenced or hushed or intimidated and they finally kind of got it to um, break through and the story came out and the rest as they say is history this is uh, it's it, it moves along really well it's a uh, just over two hours doesn't feel that long and of course <clears throat> you know to wrap it up at the end they just do that screen with the short paragraph on it and then another screen with a short paragraph and those are title card kind of things it's just saying you know at such and such date harvey weinstein was arrested and then he was convicted of this and he's serving the sentence and it's like yeah high five so anywho and we watched the uh finale the season finale of yellow jackets and if you're not watching it um Anything I would tell you sounds like gibberish. And if you are watching it, I don't want to spoil it. But uh, this is that series about the high school soccer team heading to Seattle for a national tournament. And in 1996, they have a plane crash. And it's sort of uh, alive meets Lord of the Flies, so you think. But there are some other things going on, especially in the present day. So you, it's, it's told both in 1996 and present day. Not as flashbacks as much as just like equal time given to the two different timelines in the story. <clears throat> really good. You know, if you haven't watched it, you should. 
especially horror fans who like a little mystery in their storytelling. Hey, as soon as I get through Tubi's catalog of crap, <clears throat> I will jump right on that. If they stopped now, you'd be 107 years old by the time you reach the end. Probably. There it is. Who wants to go next? I'll go. I only have two. Oh, okay. Uh, I just let Tubi run, and it ran something called Star Slammer. <laughs> Star Slammer. Which is... A women in prison in space movie. Okay. It's crap. I mean, it sounds like crap, but it's it's super boring. It's crappier than you can yeah, imagine. Yeah, you're like boring. Yeah, it was. I thought it was boring. Have you seen this one? No. Oh yeah, it's it's not good. Mm. I mean, you're putting two sort of terrible genres together there, <laughs> like low budget. Stuff. Star Wars ripoff with mm-hmm. uh, women in prison films. With women in prison films, which are never good, probably. Unless they've got Pam Greer. Yeah, you got give it to Pam Greer. I watched one uh, recently with her. I can't remember what it was called, but it was Women in Prison. Oh. So it was like all of them I've seen, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're pretty, uh, got that formula nailed down. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched one that I hadn't seen, Gamera versus Zegra. Oh, yes. Finally, I got <laughs> to see the submarine that you drew in your picture. <laughs> I was I was quite happy. I've decided I think I like Gamera better than Godzilla, and I know that's probably a horrible thing to say, but Gamera's kind of fun. Yes. You know, and he's a friend of children. <laughs> and children seem to run Japan. In the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. they have clearance to any military <laughs> base or secret scientific office. They can just run in as a group. Uh, <clears throat> and they don't have names because they're all so richly drawn. You don't need a real name. Just know. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the fat kid in the little jacket and hat. <laughs> tiny shorts. And tiny shorts, yes. All tiny shorts. Oh, that's the white kid. <laughs> And I can't understand his sister at all. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, she's speaking English, but, or the dubbing is, but I don't know who's dubbing her, but anyway, I think her name was Susan, Susan Maru. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. It's fun. You know, you've got Jaguar, Zegra, who's got like jets in his cheeks so he can fly around. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. How does Gamera work? I don't understand the jets. Well, Jolien, haven't you done an illustration? Yeah, I've yeah, done my anatomical didn't... illustrations. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen the, I've seen it. I just there's a coal sack and a uranium sack. That's right. Okay, that that makes sense. That checks. Okay, <laughs> so I was worried they were a little shaky on the science there with giant flying turtles. Did they pay you extra to to come up with the ideas and the explanations, or did they give them to you? Um. The idea was to uh, make them look like the the anatomical illustrations they'd done by, back in the 60s in Japanese right. fan magazines. And uh, so I, I looked at those illustrations and just translated everything and then uh, got books out on actual turtles and whatever relevant animals. Yeah. And uh, I did those bits in so that, you know, in between the uranium sacks and coal sacks, you'd have like the actual yeah. bits of turtle that I could label. So it just sell the joke for, you know. Yeah. No, they were great t-shirts. 
great illustrations. But yeah, I had not seen that one, so finally. Yeah. Finally. I think Good that one. that finishes me probably on cameras from have, the have you seen, have you seen the trilogy from the nineties? No, I'm watching that one now. Fantastic. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. I think those. though I think I have watched one. It may have been the first one of that trilogy, but it's been so long I don't really mm. remember. There's going to be an animated series on Netflix this year. Oh, like the Godzilla one? Yeah, hopefully a bit more lively. Yeah. Um, I love the Ultraman series they did. Oh, okay. They, there's like three seasons of that. That was really good. Nice. Um, the new one just came out this year. But yeah, there's, there's going to be a Gamera one. And Where's more. my Jet Jaguar? And there's going to be like, there's two more Godzilla movies coming up really soon. Where's my Mothra? <laughs> Where's Monster Zero? Monster Zero. Paging Monster Zero. Yeah. So, good stuff. But that's it for me. All right. All right. Uh, get back to my movie, movie marathon. Uh, this is an... Um, all right. I'll start with Red Angel from 1966. This is a Yasutsu uh, Yamamura film. Uh, it's one of several Yamamura films starring Ayako Wakao. Um, here she's a nurse in 1939, sent to the front lines in China. Ooh. Extremely grim. No. As expected. No. I felt really nauseous. She, because just... she, no, she's like sent right in there and it's just a charnel house. It's just butchery. Yeah. Oh. Um, but it's beautifully shot. I mean, it's like this black and white. Um, by one of the master cinematographers, yeah, um, uh, Katsuo Miyagawa, I and mean, he he done Rashomon and Getsu. Oh, okay. and it just looks great, um, and she's like, you know, everything's dirty and bloody and stuff, but her face is like this pure white. Oh, it's just it's really subtly done. Yeah, it's not like they don't lean into it, but it's just it gets noticeable after a while. And, but if you've done um also this goes into the erotic aspects the erotic aspects <laughs> which makes it front even, line makes it even queasier oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, this uh, this one's hard to watch i <laughs> it's not an easy watch um yeah from the get-go she goes through some stuff huh and she turns it around but um and this was a musical yeah <laughs> <laughs> that all these cute tie-in toys and stuff oh like man animated characters yeah. do-it-yourself frontline surgery kids Ooh, yeah kids love those yeah they do but yeah um all that's, right that's a strong one red angel can't i i, I don't know if i can say recommend it because it's hard to take um and then uh the same pair of uh, Irazumi, same year actually. He did, he directed three films in this year. Wow. Uh, Irazumi is in color, um, so it uh, stars uh, Ayaka Wakawa again. Um, this time it's in Eastman color, just, just these glowing colors. Oh, yeah. Um, she's again, she's in a world where men seek to possess her, and her white skin is emphasized. Milky white skin makes her the object of obsession of this tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, doing the old school Irizumi style yeah this is what uh, you know how they did Japanese tattoos they they like spiked 
bits of bamboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for uh, listeners who aren't familiar, um, it would be a stick of bamboo with a bundle of needles tied to the end, and they would hold it kind of like you imagine someone shooting a uh, billiards pool, whatever, um, kind of held in that same way. Just uh, Doesn't Irizumi um, mean pushing ink? Mm-hmm. Like literally means pushing ink. Yeah. Yeah. So you're spiking ink into you. Yeah. And it, uh, it's a little more arduous than a machine that moves at like over 2000, uh, strokes a minute. <clears throat> yeah. This is a lot slower. It's probably. not a ballpoint pen and a sewing needle <laughs> in your friend's garage. <laughs> right. Jail <laughs> cell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so again, she's being oppressed a lot, but realizes her own power. Um, Gorgeous, gorgeous film. I mean, the use of blacks and then colors popping out of the black. And, oh. um, was there any it real tough to take? This one, it? yeah, this one was just uh, amazing to watch. Okay, <clears throat> oh, there's, there's, there's lots of um, like uh, there's some really rough um, people getting killed by knives. Yeah, there's these like various rival factions in it. Yeah, but you didn't feel like. <coughs> you were on the front lines it, in Manchuria. No, it, that was, yeah, that, that was just so oppressive because it's just this. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, yeah. This one's there's this uh, there's this fight between these two guys and on this foggy riverbank and and uh, and they've got this like a, a eight inch knife they're fighting over and then one of them gets and puts it in a very mm, yeah hard hard place to stab. It's not an easy place to stab. <laughs> but yeah, so it's not quick. <laughs> it's, mm. Yeah, that, that bit's really horrible. Um, okay. Uh, is, the, is the tattooing they show real at all? Do we know? They're not actually doing real tattoos on that actor now. Okay. And you can tell sometimes it's not even skin in clo- in, uh, in like huge close ups, massive close ups. It's okay. not skin. Fair enough. But it's beautiful. Yeah, he, he, what he does is this, uh, it's a. It's a, what does he call it? A globe spider tattoo. So it's like a, you know, a woodblock style spider and it's got this like vampiric woman's head. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's spread out over her back and and because they know how to do tattoos that go across the muscles. Yeah. And you use the contours of the body and how the body moves. Ooh. When she flexes in certain ways, it appears to kind of wriggle around. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I've I've read some reviews where they, they say, oh, they very cleverly animated it, but no, no, no. Yeah. It's just the way it's shot and the way she manipulates it. Wow. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a good one. Irizumi. Irizumi, okay. Um, I'll bring that one for you. If oh, you excellent. Yeah, Arrow did this Blu-ray of it. It's just gorgeous. I should write that down for you. Um, the Seven Minutes, 1971. Um, Ross Meyer. Oh, excellent. I had not seen it before. Uh, this is a courtroom drama about an obscenity trial over the titular book. Uh, you've got Maya regulars like Edie Williams, as well as a few familiar faces like Tom Selleck. Hmm. Tom Selleck. And, of course, John Carradine. Well, yeah. I, I, I didn't even need to. No. Uh, recommended to Maya completists and those who want to see Yvonne DiCarlo say erection. Hmm. Don't we all? want to hear her say that um seven women for satan uh that's a french movie originally called uh les weekends maléfiques du comte zaroff wow 
So from 1976, although it was filmed in 1974, held up by French censors. Okay. Uh, this is uh, directed by and stars uh, Michel Lemoyne, who you'll recognise from Jess Franco films. Oh, okay. He's got a very unusual face. He's got these kind of vulpine eyes, very striking. Okay. Um Anyway, uh, so Jess Franco and Jean Roland friends make a Jess Franco and Jean Roland kind of film. <laughs> it's better than the actual Franco Roland film Zombie Lake. I mean, just about everything is. Yeah. And uh, sometimes reminiscent of their virgin among the living dead. It's got a scene by a pond, which is very reminiscent of that. Of a pond scene from that film. Uh, locals talk about Count Zaroff, played by Michel Lemoyne, as if he's like his ancestor, Aaron Zaroff from The Most Dangerous Game. Yes. Um, his butler, played by Howard Vernon, of course, uh, is trying to groom him to be just like Baron Zaroff. Uh, even he's fantasizing about being Baron Zaroff. Is he or isn't he? Uh, he certainly gets a steady supply of women at the chateau, which has its own salle de torture, of course. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the torture chamber love bed scene is a gobsmacker. It's great. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you, maybe you think I'm crazy to say, yeah, the torture chamber love bed scene is pretty funny, but it, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and apparently when they were making it, they were laughing so hard. Hysterically, they like lose their breath. They weren't able to speak. Um, anyway, um, uh, a dog dies, or does it? Or mm. does it? It's classic Euro delirium uh, with Natalie Ziga and Joel Kerr. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Mm. Uh, and then another Japanese one for you, Tetsu no Tsume, which means uh, claws of iron. Yeah. Uh, this is from 1951. Oh. Wow. Directed by Nobuo Adachi. I'd never seen this one before. Um, it's about a man bitten by one of them Borneo gorillas. Oh, mentioned them last week. Yeah, uh, during the Pacific War, and he goes ape when he's given enough drink. Uh, he could just be an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. Um, fun rampage at the end, and I like the invisible beauty scene. Uh, so it, you know, there's in the fifties, like Japan made um, in fifties and sixties, they made several films which were like trans- transforming man films okay so they had uh there's like half a dozen invisible man films there was like the h-man where he turns into this radioactive liquid okay um there's there's the gas man number one where he can become gas and uh, certain points and um so uh yeah in this one he turns into turns to a gorilla man but there's a scene there's this uh, scene at the nightclub uh, there's always nightclubs yeah and uh women in very little clothing dancing around and uh so they, they do this act called the invisible beauty where mm. this like uh supposed doctor brings on this woman and he sticks her in this booth and and she's doing all her um magician's assistant pose and then <laughs> then she gradually fades away like layer by layer so it strips off all her clothes ah. and this is like 51 so you don't see that much but um, it strips away her clothes and then and then gets down to her body and then her body disappears. It's pretty cool. Oh wow! wow. I wonder how they did that. You can you can figure it out if you if you see okay. it. But um, yeah, it's a cool film scene. trick. It's not yeah. a real trick. <laughs> yeah, they didn't they didn't invent 
invisibility. No, I meant they didn't take a magician's trick and, no. and yeah, oh, transfer see. it to the, like sawing okay. a woman in half. It's just uh, made up. Yeah, it's or, not cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can figure it out when you watch it. But yeah, um, quite fun. Excellent. That was it. Cool. So I chose the 1963 classic. The Birds, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Who? Uh, he's a guy from England. You probably haven't heard of him, but uh, he directed a few movies. I heard a couple of movies. I brought along three books. I think they're the only books ever written about him. Yeah, he's... Really? No, it's not well-talked about or well-known director. Huh. Well, Died um, in obscurity, mm-hmm. writing pornographic novels, I believe. <laughs> uh... Yeah, um, Don't we all want to go that way? <laughs> if at all possible. You know. Uh, before we jump into it, should we, should we ask Google uh, what people also ask? Okay. Okay, I'll go down a list of questions. Just stop me if you want to hear the response to one of them, okay? What was the point of the movie The Birds? Yes. <laughs> Asked a stupid child. <clears throat> you know that was an adult. Uh, Hitchcock was quoted explaining the reason for the bird's attacks. They wanted to exact revenge against humanity for taking nature for granted. Hmm. I feel like that message is stated just like that in the movie. (laughs) Perhaps. Yes. Um, okay. I'll go down the rest of the list. Stop me if you want to hear the answer. Uh, what is the ending of the birds? Um, (laughs) for someone who. It's a bit right before the credits. Right. Well, there's no credits. What happened to. Oh, wow. There's no end. Mm-hmm. It's the never-ending birds. So originally, he uh, he he just had that. How it ends, it just stops. Yeah. And but the studio insisted on like that. There's like a, a logo at the end of the universe. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, it was kind of going to make the audience go, "What? What? You tell me, tell me what I want to know. I don't know stuff. What happened? Yeah, this is, this is long before the trend for. Uh, oh, this is what the theme is. Yeah. Uh, you know, right at the start and enjoy for the next two hours. Right. We showed you all the good bits yeah, in the trailer. We told you what to think. We yeah. told you what it means. All right. Let's see. Uh, what happened to Tippi Hedren while filming the birds? That's another question. They threw birds at her and... I can go into that. Oh, we're going to let Jolien go into that because okay. this simplistic answer is not enough. Did the movie The Birds win any Oscars? What, what did they say to that question? <clears throat> Let's see. Um... It said that um, she went through hell mm-hmm. um, over a week. Handlers wearing elbow-length protective gauntlets literally hurled live birds at her for eight hours straight. Eight hours straight for all week. Wow. And so, then they didn't even use any of that footage. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't it was even just, film it. It was just Hitchcock getting her into character. Yeah. And then he fired a rifle <laughs> and slapped her. Um Let's see. Okay. Did the movie The Birds win any Oscars? Do you want the answer to that one? Sure. Um, let's I see. I think it got nominated to Ubi Works. Yeah. The, it, it, for the special effects. Funny enough, it doesn't... I don't know how they answered this. Best, best visual effects? Did it win? Um, yeah, let's, let's circle back around to that one. <clears throat> funny enough, the little drop-down doesn't exactly answer that. Okay. Um, uh, did it win any Oscars? Where'd the rest of my list go? Did it lose any Oscars? 
yeah. take them away preemptively from your next movie if this movie's so bad. Yeah. You're in Oscar jail. <laughs> or you can't be nominated again. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's see. You directed Battlefield Earth? I'm sorry. You're out of the guild. <laughs> wow. The rest of the uh, question and answer just disappeared. Huh. Okay. Well, All right. Well, I guess that, not that. I guess that tells us everything we need to know. Uh, Jolien, uh, do you want to tell us um, exactly what uh, what Tippy Hedren went through? Uh, first of all, um, how did she end up in the role? Do you know about this? Yeah, she was spotted on an ad for Sego or Sego diet drink. Seagull. S <laughs> e g o. Okay. Um. So, uh, Hitchin Hitchin, what's her name? Alma. Alma, yeah. They were watching TV and, and the commercial came on and he just noticed the blonde in it. I was like, wow, we need her in a yeah, movie. Yeah, so he got his people to find out who she was. And and then she was like, um, she was called for an interview. She wasn't told what it was for. Uh, on Friday the 13th <laughs> of October. <laughs> oh, boy. 1961. Um, and then the following Tuesday, she was finally told who it was for. And, you know, she, so she was a model. She had no acting experience yeah. outside of that. She was a single mother. She'd been divorced. Oh, okay. Um, she was offered a seven-year contract, exclusive contract. Um, she was a, you know, so she was on uncertain ground. You know, a model's life is very short-lived and yeah. in most cases. And, you know, you don't know where you're going to be next year. Um, so, she, so she took it. Um, she didn't, she was very uncertain about her acting abilities because she'd never done it so yeah. she was very manipulable uh, and vulnerable so it put her in an awful spot wow um so at first it was pretty mm, relatively <laughs> easy going so uh hitchcock had edith head his costume designer um design a wardrobe for hedron for off screen and on screen wow hmm Creepy much? Um, so not too much like Vertigo. Mm-mm. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he, he, after he lost Grace Kelly, he wanted a new Grace Kelly. Yeah. Basically. So um, so he was coming from a viewpoint of there must be another one in stock. Go look. Yeah. I'll make another one. Yeah. Um, so uh, so this, this, the birds was a 20 week shoot and she got one day off. Oh, wow. man. Brutal. Um, it, but it, she reported, uh, you know, she's, she's talked at length about this. She's written her own books about this. But yeah. um, he, in, he involved her in every aspect of filmmaking. He wanted her to see how it was done, how he was doing it. So she was really into that. And That's she, actually she really pretty enjoyed cool. learning all that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, so uh, he was also developing Marnie at this time mm-hmm. and once he found out that grace kelly wouldn't be coming back from arnie things got a bit darker um he became more possessive he sent out some of the crew to spy on her um he didn't want her to you know he wanted control over her, what she was doing outside of filming um who she was seeing where she was you know what she was eating um he told her how to dress how she should socialize well, she didn't necessarily obey it, but yeah. Um, 
so uh, yeah, th- things were getting a bit darker. They got really dark on Marnie. Mm. Mm. That was the very next movie. That wasn't was the it? Nadia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's when he actually tried to assault her. Yeah. That's when he he actually he had his he had he was making he made so much money off Psycho and TV and so on at this time. Um, he he built this like office in Universal, and uh, there was a private ramp going down into her dressing room, basically, where she she'd be on set. Wow. So uh, yeah yeah the, the worst time was that uh, yeah he came into her her room and. And he said uh, if she didn't have sex with him, then he'd ruin her. Hmm. And, and she did not, and he did. Um, you know, yeah. he, he, she was, you know, she could have been up for an Oscar for Marnie. Um, she was up for other awards. And, and uh, yeah, and he'd, he'd have people write to the awards people and, and say, no, she can't wow. get one. Wow. Well, that answers that question. Um Google didn't answer. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and the actual, um, do you want to go to that scene, the attic scene? Yeah, let's talk about it. So it, um, so in, in um, 961, there's a, um, so this is uh, written by Even Hunter, the screenplay, mm-hmm. with parts written by Hitchcock. Um, so Even Hunter is also known as Ed McBain. Oh, and, and this Ed was, McBain. This was based on a novella by Daphne du Maurier. Yes. So in the short story, it's like uh, there's this house in Cornwall, mm-hmm. and uh, people get besieged by birds. They come down the chimney, etc. It's like un- they do unexplained in and sudden. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's that idea. He really liked that that it was unexplained mm-hmm. and sudden, and he, he's really intrigued by that. And uh, also um, in sixty one, sixty two, there have been incidents in um, uh, Southern California on the coast where seabirds had crashed into the town and wow, d- done a lot of damage. Can I can I read a, a short quote about sure. about that attack? Uh, this is in the seaside town of Capitola, California. I think you would enjoy this, Will. Um, Hordes of seabirds were dive-bombing their homes, crashing into cars, and spewing half-digested anchovies onto lawns. Yeah, all right. There was not a lot of barfing in the movie The Birds, but... uh, (laughs) Not a little bit of poop either. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting how they kept that out of the movie. Um, But half-digested anchovies? Yeah, apparently there's something toxic that had been put out um, that they... They'd ingested and oh, okay. made them very sick. Hmm. Well, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, oh no, no, please. It's Barf- not, barfing it's not, anchovies. Not my show, please, please jump in. Uh, so anyway, um, so uh, he tried to find a writer to do this and uh, found uh, Evan Hunter, and he became very possessive about him and his family. You know, he he wanted to have to, he you know he took him to a lot of dinners and things like that, but he wanted them. Yeah, under his eye, and he he was known for um, being very boorish about uh, lecturing about fine wines and where yeah. he travelled and how to eat and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, anyway, uh, so he was very possessive, possessive about the Hunter family, um, and then in the January twenty sixth, nineteen sixty two screenplay, the attic attack is an owl. Oh, okay, it's just an owl. Um, and the film ends differently. 
we can talk about that later but okay anyway um so she was she she comes in and she's told that we're going to use mechanical birds mm. it'll be fine yeah we're just going to wind them up and they're going to flap toward you she thought, oh, you know this is going to be a, a day shoot and yeah that's it but what they uh what they did did was and she found this out really shortly before they filmed it um was there this like big cage around the set and then uh they had bird handlers inside it with the gear on and they could throw birds at her and uh this would go on all day and then in subsequent days as they needed tighter shots and different angles um she realized that they were sewing things into a costume and then when she was on set those things sewn into a costume would be used to attach birds oh so actual live birds so as well as the puppet birds picking at her you'd Real life birds, and uh, and like by day four, this went on all week. The birds are really tired of it as well, so they were getting really nasty, and and one mm. almost had her eye out. Oh wow! You know, she actually got scarred on her, you know, uh, on the lower left eye. Wow! And uh, she was so, uh, yeah, tired and traumatized by this that yeah, she, um, you know, she went into a hospital, and then uh, they had to stop. Um, they couldn't use her for a week. Mm. The doctor said, "Yeah, she has to stay, stay in bed." Wow! But but yeah, she came back and finished it. So some some of the scenes you see at the end where he when he carries her down the stairs, that's as a body double. Mm, okay. Hmm. So yeah. how was the ending different? Um, they uh, they actually drive into town. They go through town. You see wreckage and bodies and people mm. peering out of windows. And uh, they're, they're in. They've they've put the roof up on the is it the Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they get through most of the town, and then the birds are massed on the highway, and uh, birds attack the car, and then they're ripping through the the roof. So there's always cool sounding visuals of this. Um, you know, beaks come through, and the light shafts are coming through more and more. They get yeah. more and more exposed, and then just in time, they hit a straight part of the road and they they zoom and, and the birds get left behind but so they they reached escape velocity yeah <laughs> the birds formed a human chain well a bird chain <laughs> so um there's there's a particular part when everybody starts to hunker down in the diner deciding what to do and there's the woman with the two kids and people mm. keep saying things and she keeps getting upset that they're saying things in front of her kids like those birds are going to peck our eyes out. They're going to kill us. And they're, they're saying all these, you know, not that specifically, but they're saying things like that. Yeah. And she's like, I have children. Please stop saying it. And they're eating a chicken dinner, which is kind of hilarious. Right, right. And uh, having their malts or sodas or whatever. And um, at some point, uh, I don't know if it was the woman with the children or somebody else points out uh, Tippy Hedren's character. Um, Melanie. Melanie. And says, none of this happened till she showed up. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it's just after the attack. Yeah, she's a witch. <laughs> Isn't that what she said? She's a witch? Uh, she doesn't call her a witch. She says that this all started when you came here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. But I was wondering, when she said that, it had not necessarily occurred to me. Like, we haven't seen the lovebirds freaking out mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But none of this happened till the lovebirds showed up. 
did they maybe bring the birdemic to to uh, to the town? Yeah, they love birds all along. One of the one of the questions on Google before that rest of the list disappeared was: Is Bodega Bay a real place? Well, listeners, I've been there, so yeah, it is. <laughs> I really wish I got to do a little more walking around and looking at Hitchcock sites. You know the the wreckage. Yeah, the vomited up anchovy remains. Yeah, and all the burnt out buildings. Yeah. The, the busted phone booths, the wrecked cars. Oh. All that stuff. But uh how about the the photo sequence in this where the uh truck blows up and they cut, they do three still f- shots. Yeah, why would they do that? I'm not quite sure. I don't think it quite works. It's a style but choice. But I love it. It's uh, it's, it's kind of like, like, like the ending of Night of the Living Dead, where they just show all the still photos mm-hmm. of the guys doing the bonfire. Yeah. This is kind of like this is all three actions are happening all at the same time. And, I don't know, time slowing down. I don't quite know what they were trying to get at with that, but hmm. I always love that scene. And I know a lot of yeah. people now are like, that's hokey. What? I think this was the first Hitchcock I watched as a kid was the birds. Mm. Yeah, I think Psycho was the first one for me. I did not watch Psycho till college because I felt, I know all that movie. I know what happens. Mm -hmm. I don't need to watch it. Yeah, that was one I didn't see till I was in my teens. Not because I was avoiding it, it just wasn't around. Oh, yeah, it was one of those that's just like... He's either on too late or... Why do I, I don't want to watch that. I could watch, you know, The Fly. Yeah, <laughs> you read so much about it. You feel exactly like what I it. felt. I felt like yeah. I had seen it and, and my cousin did too. And then we watched it our freshman year in college and we were like, holy shit, this movie is fantastic. <laughs> Why have I been putting this off? Yeah. And it wasn't like I hadn't watched a whole bunch of other Hitchcock films. I don't... Just Psycho was like, mm. <laughs> seen it. Yeah, how could it be that good? How could it be that good? He doesn't even have a hockey mask or hands <laughs> with n- fingernails or spikes or whatever, you know? Yeah. He's just a dude who runs a hotel. He's got some mother issues here. Just a few. Mm-hmm. So, the, so most of the birds shown in the movie are real. Yep. But they spent... And I don't know what this would translate to modern day bucks, but they spent $200,000 on the creation of mechanical birds. Yep. Which it seems like, yeah, you could tell if they weren't real, you know, if they just had wind them up in the wings flap, you could spot that a mile away. I think some of the puppets are really good. Yeah. But compared to a real bird going completely bananas, flying at tippy head. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they yeah, they didn't look. People, phony. I, I've seen several online comments like, "Oh, the, the special effects are hokey." Uh, I bet if you sat someone down in, in, who said that and said, "Right, tell me when when the hokey special effects would turn up," you'd have to wait for the bird attack. Yeah. Um, for them to say, "Oh, look how how bad special effects were," because there's a lot of special effects from the start up they, to that point. There's, yeah. The map paintings are beautiful. Yeah. You can't even tell their paintings. Albert Whitlock. Yeah. Um, yeah, we watched um, a, a, like a making of thing and uh, after after watching it um, this weekend and Emily was like, wow, 
That was a painting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the only thing more more uh, awe-inspiring than a great matte painting is a really bad matte painting. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah, there was that one movie with the huntresses in it. The Lost Empire. The Lost Empire. Oh, boy, is that a bad matte painting. That matte painting's awesome. I'd hang it on my wall <laughs> if I owned it. It would be your wall. And the other thing um, that amazed her was the uh, the opening shot where it, it comes down from the square in San Francisco. Yeah. goes across the street and then it goes by a newspaper stand and you see the poster of San Francisco and then she's walking to the pet shop and that's from a, lo- a location to a set. Oh, wow. And you, and it's so well done. It's but, seamless. Yeah, she hadn't realized that it was, that's what it was doing. That is really cool. And Hitchcock wasn't shy about demanding, like, we're going to do this, figure out how we're going to do it, or I think this is how it's going to work, get our best guys on it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like uh, the opening to Psycho, you know, we get that impossible shot across from the apartment building. Yeah. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that other filmmakers weren't bothering to do because eh, the audience isn't going to care. Right. But when you put it in front of the audience, they're going to maybe be able... A little impressed with that. <laughs> yeah, I think rear windows especially impressive. That's all a set. The whole thing's a set. Yeah. yeah. And Raymond Burr. Yeah, man. Yeah, he played a heavy in a lot of things. Yeah, he did. You know, the um, they uh, rounded up all those birds for the, uh, this movie. They had different people round up different kinds of birds, like the gulls were fetched from scrapyards and so on. Yeah. The guy who rounded up the uh, sparrows was John Bud Cardos. Okay. Who uh, later directed Kingdom of the Spiders. Yes, mm. yes. Which has a very similar meet cute scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, I'm, but on the birds is like the template for eco-horror, right? Yeah. Right. As well as zombie movies. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's a lot of the birds in Kingdom of the Spiders, of course, but some very close scenes. For sure. That's interesting. He um, treated William Shatner terrible. And that's yes. that I understand. Threw spiders at his face for like two weeks. <laughs> Told them they were going to be mechanical spiders, but actually put real spiders uh-huh. on them. Yeah. Um, what about the uh, the score, the, the soundtrack for this right. movie? No music. Uh, yeah. Now it's all diegetic. Yeah, that was not um, that was not the done thing at the time, was it? Mm-mm. Yeah, I was reading that there's a um, a special like synthesizer was yeah, used. The Troutonium. Yeah. Now, what do you? Th- I mean, obviously this works. You know, the the whole movie is very effective. But at this point, it was like it was Hitchcock just like. You know, they think I'm going to zag, I'm going to zig. I don't care. Uh, you know, just making like the soundtrack to Psycho be, you know, all strings, mm-hmm. no other instruments. You know, that that's not something that, you know, somebody would tend to do in a movie at that time. And he said, no, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I kind of found it interesting, like we're getting electronica like this, the synthesizer, when uh, everyone was doing conventional soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um pretty cool uh let's see um mm, the school children singing <laughs> yeah uh, do you know what that song is i 
you know, it's for whatever reason sounded familiar, but it's uh, an actual song. Yeah. But well, originally, it's this uh, Scottish song called "We Cooper of Fife." Okay. Which is about this uh, this gentle wife mm-hmm. who is refusing to do household chores because you know it will it will hurt her rings or it will hurt her skin or yeah. Um, you know, she's got his reasons for not doing all these labors that women expect expected to do. Yeah. Um, so her husband, the Cooper, beats her. Oh, uh, and then she song. does them, and he offers his services to other husbands who are having trouble. Oh, okay. It's a great song. <laughs> hmm. So this got like, a, you know, this crossed over to America and got watered down, and you know, there's lo- there's lots of bawdy versions. And, yeah. Um, there's, there's versions where she's a she's an actual prostitute and um, she messes the bed. And stuff. Wow! <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. So the, what you get in the movie is uh, it's the American toned down version, but uh, super extended by Evan Hunter. Um, oh, so new lyrics were added. Yeah, yeah. You had to get a you know special. Uh, permission to you know you had to you had to go through the process of being able to be a songwriter just to do oh the extra, there's a, extra, a guild lyrics. that he had yeah. to join or something yeah. yeah oh interesting so this was um nickety knackety now 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 mm-hmm. by folk musician chubby parker yeah he did a version of it and, yeah and but it's sung by school children mm-hmm. uh to what point like was it's, it's like a repetitive and it's kind of annoying. Yeah. And it goes on and it kind of extends the scene because it's like really annoying. And, and for a lot of the scene, you're just watching her and she's like uh, really anxious and sitting there smoking a cigarette. And yeah. uh, time is going much too slow for her. Mm-hmm. And she's not seeing what's going on. Right. It's beautiful. I, I, I had, uh, yeah, I, I was listening to um, a podcast and one of them was a, a teacher. And you know, he was a film teacher, and uh-huh. uh, he showed his class the birds and that scene. And when when she sees that last bird, and the camera follows that bird round, and then it turns around, and she sees what's behind her. And the whole class is like, <gasps> it, "It works! It's so good!" Yeah, it still works. Yeah, there. I would say the one scene that the acting wasn't convincing was there's one of the school children ends up kind of face planted on the ground <laughs> and the, she's just sort of kicking her legs and arms, you know, kind of uh, mechanically. Mm-hmm. It, she didn't look like she was, she wasn't selling the scene to me anyway. Maybe she was a mechanical child. Yes. I kind of wondered, did they just like, Hey, you, you guys make mechanical birds. Can you make a mechanical kid? Yeah. We just slapped two of those birds together and put a coat on it. <laughs> yeah. You imagine how that played back then. Cause you just didn't kids in movies you didn't attack kids with birds in movies it's just not done no it's weird right um any anything about filming in bodega bay did they have to like i don't know pay people off intimidate them run them out of town (laughs) any any stories like that they shot you know they got all their location footage and what they needed it seemed that seems pretty pleasant end of it and then then the rest of it was sets. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasant place. I mean, it's just a seaside town. Uh, you, I mean, it's just a bunch of seafood restaurants, really. Yeah, yeah. it looks mm-hmm. it looks lovely. Yeah, very scenic. 
I seem to remember there being like a whole big place where oyster shells were just dumped off, like near one of the restaurants. Like, oh, okay. Like they just go to the uh, water's edge and just chuck the buckets full of oyster shells. It just seemed like I remember there just being what looked like a landfill of the things kind of not too far off. Yeah. I, re- I remember when I was in the harbor towns in Japan, there'd be just hills of scallop shells. Yeah. It's like there are not enough people playing bocce ball. Is that d- uh, district attorney scallop? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and his baby gang. And his baby gang, yeah. I was like, what was the other part? Oh, yeah, I I love some of the, the you know, the uh, subtitles that come up. Um, Will, when, when did you first see this one? Um, probably fourth or fifth grade. Did you feel like it was, uh, appropriate viewing for your age? Did, did, oh, did yeah. it strike any adults I'd or yourself? I've seen lots of things worse than this by then. I'm pretty sure I had. You know, by fifth grade, I was, you know. By five years old. I was old hat at that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd set through aliens, so. <laughs> you know, that was probably the scariest thing I'd seen. Hmm. Jolene, you remember your first viewing of the birds? Yeah, I would have been a kid. I mean, I hadn't seen a good quality version of this until very recently. Because mm-hmm. it was like on, on TV, it would be cropped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And scanned. And then, you know, I got the DVD and it's, it's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I read the reviews of the Blu-ray and they said, well, the elements weren't that good and it just didn't look that great. Mm. But then I got the, like, the 4K set. That's the one we watched. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Like, the matte paintings look Yeah, look Yeah, I imagine mine was pan and scan VHS tape when I, I first watched it. I can't remember if they cut the... Um, the dead farmer when I was a kid because that, mm. that would be that would be a bit much for British TV back then yeah yeah there's um something I noticed uh I watched the the Netflix whatever transfer they have mm-hmm. and uh at one point I got up and walked closer to the TV which is plenty big enough and plenty high re- resolution enough and I could see the grain of the film pretty clearly. Now, I'm not saying the film looked grainy, but I could see the grain of the film. And so that makes me think, well, they didn't do anything to artificially sharpen it. So I think I'm seeing a, a pretty um, true to form transfer of the movie. Uh, still look gorgeous, though. The color saturation is oh, yeah. brilliant. You, you, want, you want to see the grain. Yeah. 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 I mean, you should see the grain as someone who shot a lot of um, 35 millimeter still photos and printed them in the dark room. I can mm. say grain is an aesthetic thing that uh, should be appreciated. Yeah. If, if they smooth that out, then everyone looks like wax. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't want that. But um, yeah, it, it, it seemed like it was a good transfer. Uh, Marnie is on Netflix right now as well. Mm-hmm. I think I have that in my um, watch list. Uh, so critical reception. Um what were people saying at the time? Uh, do you want to hear a few quotes? Sure. All right. Um, it it received mixed reviews, as people like to say when there's a few cool people and a few a-holes. Um, Bosley Crowther of the New York Times was positive, calling it a horror film that should raise the hackles on the most courageous and put goose pimples on the toughest hide. 
Crowther was unsure whether the birds was meant to be an allegory because it isn't in Mr. Hitchcock's style to inject allegorical meanings or social significance in his films, but he suggested that they could represent the furies of Greek mythology who pursued the wicked upon the earth. And maybe that's a bit Mm. reading into it. Maybe this guy's been watching a few too many operas or something. Um, But uh, conversely, Stanley Kaufman of the New Republic called the birds the worst thriller of, of his, meaning Hitchcock's, that I can remember. And it's like, okay. Yeah, uh, some critics at the time complained about how slow it was, building, yeah. building up to the birds' attacks. Yeah, which was like, you got some story, you got some background, and you met some characters. Well, what do you want? <laughs> some people just... They, they, yeah, they, they complain there's too much character detail and... They'd complain if you hung them with a new rope. Uh, um, Richard L. Coe of the Washington Post called it gorgeous good fun in, in the vein of uh, Hitchcock's earlier black comedy, The Trouble with Harry, adding, I haven't had this kind of merriment since King Kong toppled from the Empire State Building. Nice. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, it, you, you can read on and on. It goes all over the board with you know people praising it or panning it. Um, Boring. boring. Just says boring. It's Somebody's meh. Are, meh. Boring. <laughs> People weren't saying meh back then. But. It was boring. Um, every review, every bad review you read now from some idiot. Now, for you Mort Drucker fans. Yes. This is the only Hitchcock movie to have been featured in Mad Magazine. Uh, it was, this was um, issue 82, October 1963. Uh, the parody feature was called For the Birds. Uh, Mort Drucker, Ernie Kogan, and Lou Silverstone worked on that one. So uh, in the Mad in the Mad Magazine spoof, it is, quote, revealed that the birds are controlled by Burt Lancaster as revenge for <laughs> his not having won an Academy Award that year in the Birdman of Alcatraz. That well, that's sense. pretty good. Yeah, that's clever, That's better right? than most Mad Magazines. Yeah. So there you go. Um, what was, uh, I got to ask you guys, um, Rod Taylor, uh, he kind of has like the Robert Mitchum look, that kind of dashing leading man kind of look. Big square jaw. Yeah, he's the lantern jawed, you know, mm-hmm. hero sort of guy. Um, this, uh, he was in the time machine yeah. prior to this. Or uh, after this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> During this? During this. It was all at once. <laughs> you see him go by the big wheel turning. <laughs> um, and you know I love time travel so much. Uh, Rod Taylor, uh, was he the first choice, do you know? Or, or was, the, I mean, Hitch, did Hitchcock just clean he, house? He didn't want a star. He didn't? Yeah, he, yeah, he didn't want someone he specified to... he didn't want a star to, to be the leading man. And outshine Tippy. It's like, don't worry, you won't. Yeah. She pretty much steals the show. Well, I don't know if you could say steals the show, but uh, it's kind of written around her character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like them all. Yeah. This is a, this is a good cast. Um, but was, was he in a lot before this? No. He just seemed like he just sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah, this is the time machine. and Then this. Yeah. And then, yeah, and he went on to a lot of movies, yeah, I just kind of wondered. It was like, 
was Jimmy Stewart considered for this? Was like Robert no, Mitchum no, no, considered no, for no this? Like no, they're just like, let's get someone who's relatively unknown, but right. has experience, maybe? I think Charles McGraw is probably a bigger name than him. But yeah. he, he gets to play the grizzled fish, fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> the, I uh, guess there was no diet drink with a guy on it that Hitch could have used. <laughs> <laughs> we got a proper harbinger, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I forget we, his name, but yeah, we were warned. Uh, yeah, I could look it up if you want, but yeah, it's the end of the world. Yeah, was it was it the fisherman helping with the rental boat, or was what was the character? I like that guy's name is Doodles Weaver. Yes. Hey, that's a that's a great name. He was a TV show. Oh, host, the kids show host Carl Svensson. Swenson, I guess it's spelled Carl Swenson, the drunken doomsayer in the diner. As now we call them the harbingers, but well, I, I mentioned kids show the the chef who p- pops out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the voice for Gumby. Oh, really? No kidding. Gee, pokey. Uh, wow. Yeah, we got we got the uh, Hitchcock cameo, very very close yeah, to the beginning with, of the movie with his own dogs. Oh, yeah. those are his his mm-hmm. his mutts. Yeah. Yeah, he walks past the pet store. Yeah. Um, Notices at, at the pet store, um, they're like uh, Rod Taylor and Tippi Hedren, like poking cages, lots of gilded cages. Mm. And then that's flipped at the end of the movie. They're stuck in the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuck in the cage being poked. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I think Doodles Weaver was the guy who, who got in trouble for telling kids to go get green paper out of their mom's purse and send it to him <laughs> right <laughs> any green paper will do it's got to come out of mom's purse okay do you notice who played uh, little kathy who played little kathy um i didn't notice burt lancaster <laughs> that's right very <laughs> good very young nicholas cage <laughs> <laughs> the birds the birds uh, um, you bitches <laughs> yeah kathy was played by veronica Cartwright. Oh, no oh. kidding. Wow. 15 years before Alien. Yeah. That's crazy. She's now on uh, Gotham Knights. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Did not spot that. Gotham uh, Knights sounds like a Cinemax show. The uh, Mitch's family, Mitch, one letter different from Hitch. Hmm. Um, so you've got the mother, the younger sister, and himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is similar to Alfred Hitchcock's family because the, his father died. Mm. Oh, how interesting. Um, well, other real-life um, parallels, um, Tippi Hendren's character is named Melanie. And, and her daughter... This is Melanie Griffith. Yep, who was uh, about four years old at the time. Okay. <laughs> and she, then they were in that uh, movie Roar... Man. I've not seen that. I don't think I could watch that. I, I have not seen it, but I've seen. I feel like I've seen enough about it, and that it's yeah, it's pretty rough. It just sounds. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, I mean, want to watch real life. No, young like kids that. getting scalped by a lion. Uh, yeah. Well, Tippi Hedren is now an animal rights activist. Oh yeah, she's done tons. Yeah, so you know she's making up for her past sins. Well, she was trying to be well, positive. Yeah, the whole movie was supposed to be positive. It was supposed to be, you know, 
we're caring for these lions, but they yeah, they're don't. lions, so <laughs> they don't cooperate yeah. with you, you know. Wait a minute, wild animals? They get pissed off because you're filming all day. They're going to bite you. Well, the interesting thing about wild animals is... They're wild? Yeah, they're wild. <laughs> they're made uh, of meat? <laughs> and so is everything they're looking at. Yeah. No, they really... Um, What's the best way to say this? Uh, wild, wild animals are not interested in our ideas at all. Or filmmaking. Very little interest in filmmaking. Very little interest. Um, but when you, watch, when you watch them, even in captivity, and you see the things they do, you know, like they, they give a big, a big ball to a tiger or a lion and let them swat it around and play with it. It's like you watch the power of an animal like that. It, it's just like you can imagine... If you've ever had a cat swat at your arm or your face or whatever, and you feel how hard that little paw can hit you, yeah. and you magnify that times several <laughs> thousand, imagine they could swat your head right off your shoulders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they yeah, just... I mean, what's a tiger weigh? Yeah. You... Thousand pounds? Two thousand pounds? I don't know how big a tiger is, but... Huge. They're big. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they have razor-sharp claws, and they really don't care about your ideas. No. Or your life. Or no. anything. They're the only thing important. They're the king of the jungle. Mm-hmm. So uh, that being said, the movie Roar, I'd, I've only heard Dana Gould describe it. Mm. Uh, I, I'm curious enough to watch it. I, or try to watch it anyway. I yeah, don't know, like, I don't know where it, you'd find it. Yeah. It's like Tiger King. I wanted to watch it, but I couldn't. Just, it, I was, it was just so trashy. Yeah, I wanted the trashy people, but I wanted all the animal bits cut out. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I'm I'm down for watching trashy people, but yeah, sometimes it gets a little hard. Um, any other interesting? Or maybe if they had some trashy animals, like a, I don't know, a seal or a armadillo or something i don't know another trashy animal a raccoon i suppose oh yeah the trash pandas the original trashy animal yeah squirrels and yeah yeah the uh opossum is another Mm -hmm. another good Mm -hmm. one they'll they'll raid your um but they eat a lot of ticks do they yeah they're really good huh i mean i wouldn't chase them off they just look weird yeah, they they do. They look scarier than they really are. Oh yeah. They look like a giant rat with a lot of sharp teeth. Uh-huh. That's got some sort of yeah. mange or something. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah, they'll they'll raid your compost heap or your garbage can, they don't care. Uh-huh. They'll steal your credit card, your <laughs> wife. <laughs> they don't care. Um are there any other interesting uh uh casting choices, Julian, that you uh or or Things they've gone on to, these, these cast members, because everyone in this looks familiar. Yeah. And right down to Doodles Weaver. <laughs> I think I, he's just a character actor. Yeah, my, my favorite Rod Taylor movies are this one, Time Machine, and uh, Dark of the Sun. Mm-hmm. Which is brutal. I've not seen that. Oh, my God. So shocked. First movie to have a chainsaw on the poster. Oh. 1968. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, um, obviously Quentin Tarantino was pretty enamored with um, 
with Rod because he put him in uh, Inglorious Bastards yeah, as Winston, Winston Churchill. Churchill. He's really good. Yeah, he sells it. You got to dig that. But yeah, he went on to dozens and dozens of movies after this. Um, I, I'm, I'm on his page right now to just go, all right, what did he do before this? But he's working since 1954 um, prior to this movie. So he, he did a bunch, including Top Gun. So that time machine did work. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Top Gun in 1955. Wow. Yeah, it was a cowboy movie, but... Yeah. It wasn't released till 85. <laughs> right. They just couldn't get the volleyball scene erotic enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, standards and practices were just weren't yeah, happening. Like, no, no. No, you guys put some shirts on. Um, yeah, he... He was good. He's a good lead, a good male lead. Um, Jessica Tandy, very, very long career. Uh huh. Inventor of the Tandy computer, sold <laughs> at Radio Shack. <laughs> uh, she was ninety years old for about twenty-five years. Yeah, how old was she when she did the birds? She doesn't look that old. No, but see, she was born in nineteen oh nine. You do the math, because I can't. Uh, so she'd be 50 and 59 54 yeah yeah so yeah she wasn't that but old. in the 80s it was like she looked like she was 100 from the early 80s through when she died Hugh, Hugh Cronin and her mm. and she did a lot of stage acting um, you know dozens of credits there a lot of acting credits uh yeah, I don't know why people were doing TV movies. Maybe they just wanted the money. But, um, yeah, she was in Foxfire in 1987. Um, she was in Batteries Not Included. Yes. Uh, Cocoon the Return. Uh-huh, and Cocoon. Yeah, yeah, Cocoon and Cocoon the Return. Uh, which, strangely, uh, Wilford Brimley was like 40 when they made that or yes, something. Yes, right? <laughs> Jeez, dude. <laughs> It's like, do a sit up. <laughs> I mean, I know people aged differently back then, but holy shit. He was one of those that was born old. I think he was. And just stayed old. And it's like, so you got all this stuff that Jessica Tandy did. And then finally, her her really big award winner was Driving Miss Daisy. Uh-huh. And I mean, just tons of awards for that. Fried Green Tomatoes. She played Ninny. Yeah. Ninny Threadgood. Uh, anyway. Uh, now I want fried green tomatoes. Yeah, you can only have them certain times of the year, really. Yeah. I don't even know where you get them now here. You have to make them yourself. Probably. Or we have to go to the south. There used to be a really good restaurant here. That uh, someone made them here? Mm-hmm. M&G's was a... Uh, soul food kind of barbecue restaurant oh was that in five points i uh, know it was uh it wasn't five points <laughs> uh, it was like 22nd in race or something okay 28th in race a few years though it's been a long time they yeah. they up and closed just in the middle of the night kind of no announcement sad mm-hmm. um charles mcgraw one of the fishermen mm-hmm. looks to me like a uh, a noir guy. Oh yeah. Okay. One of the big noir actors, wasn't he? 
I just clicked on his page. Yeah, that's too many credits to not be a noir guy. End of Western. That, that voice. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like great. Ca- I mean, you know what? You're, you're you're Hitchcock. You can cast whoever you want, unless they're, you know, hating you and not working with you anymore. <laughs> but you can pretty much well, get. Uh, he was trying to groom another woman to be the new Grace Kelly at this time as well. Who was Who it? Was that? Um, was it um, uh, Claire Griswold? Um, but she had a steadier life than Tippi Hedren, so she could turn it down easier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so he he was like a you know a similar thing you know he was like giving her lots of presents and giving her things to wear and signing her to a seven year contract and um, she but she was married to Sidney Pollack who was this up and coming director yeah mm-hmm. you know he, he's done some great films yeah um, Day of the Condor and stuff like that mm-hmm, yeah Tootsie uh, Tootsie yes Tootsie that's yes. right that um, classic. But uh, yeah, so but she she found herself in the seven year contract, but she also realized that what he was doing, um, you know, grooming her to be this other woman, yeah, and object of his desire, um, and uh, but uh, uh, she um, got out of it by getting pregnant again. <laughs> oh, all right, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, so he, he dropped the contract. Well, now we know. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, any other interesting facts about the movie? Well, because this movie is un- unexplained, it's open to so many interpretations, and it always will be, so you well, can you... read so much into it. Yeah, you know, so so many filmmakers wanted to just say, you know, here's what you should think and feel, mm-hmm. and, and then the end. So he, he did actually, you know, in... You know, there's so much text about him, and he has actually said what he thinks, uh, what he what he is trying to do. So he he, he was, but do you trust him? Is he just fobbing off a reporter or a writer? Yeah, because he 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 said um, the girl represents complacency. Hmm. Um, the the mother has been substituting a son for her husband. Hmm. Um, you Psycho. Know, um. But the girl shows that people can be strong when they face up to the situation. Right. But as a group, they're the victims of Judgment Day. So they can be, yeah, they can be strong, but it's Judgment Day, you know? Yeah, how strong can you be? Um, so that's what he actually said said about it. And also, I would argue that, uh, you know, people are dumber in a group. <laughs> yeah. And as yeah. a group gets bigger, the people get dumber. Well, you've got all these characters who are like... Uh, they're complacent in the sense of they're self-satisfied. She's at the top of the American food chain. Mm-hmm. She's got time, money, looks. Yeah. Um, she can do what she wants. She can go to Rome and jump in a fountain if she wants. Although yeah. she's denied she's done that. She can smash a plate glass window, although she's denied <laughs> she did that. <laughs> but obviously she's had an interesting life. She can do what she wants, go where she wants. She's at the top of the food chain by the end of it, opposite end. Yeah. Not even the... In, in the top predator group anymore. Um, yeah, it's, um, there's this, uh, can I recommend another podcast? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's one called The Fear of God. Okay. I just started listening to, it's a podcast looking at horror films by a pair of Christians. So, Interesting. So at first I thought, okay, you know, um, let's, let's see what they think. Um, 
and uh, and it was really good. It wow. was quite moving actually. Cool. Um, so that they talk about how um, uh, when people are confronted with mysterious disaster, they try to explain it. Why is this happening to me? Uh, yeah. Where's this come from? And sometimes it just isn't a reason. Something That's happens. why conspiracy theories pop up. <laughs> yeah, nature is not your adversary. It's indifferent to you. Mm. You chose to go try and climb a mountain or do something out on the ocean. It's like, oh, cruel. Nature would do this to me. Right. <laughs> so people often react with pat explanations. Um, so you get this cafe, cafe scene where you've got all these diverse people. It, and it's quite comical, but it's also very serious about what how people react to disasters yeah um so you've got like people who are just annoyed they just like kill all the birds um which is completely stupid um there's uh, people who spout apocalyptic verse you know mm-hmm. um there's people who blame other random people say it's your fault this started when you came here yeah um there's people who go why me why me and they're just perplexed mm-hmm. but the important thing is what to do next it's happened you're in the midst of it yeah what are you going to do how are you going to react to it i'm going to panic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think a great example of that is in uh, maximum overdrive when the waitress from the diner finally says to hell with everything and she unlocks the door runs out and goes you can't do this we made you we made you and uh then a truck hits her, I think. Right. I'm pretty sure a truck hits All her. All I remember is the green goblin mask on the truck. Somebody restored that. Oh, yeah. Like they found it in a junkyard and restored it. Wow. They're bringing it to horror cons sometimes. But uh, yeah, who made who? <laughs> um, so apparently Hitchcock is afraid of birds. Oh. oh. Yeah, I'm married to a woman who's a bit of a bird phobe. And... Uh, um, Ziggy's dad, Jim, who you all know, uh, he's got a bird phobia too. He told a story and I thought I would maybe, you know, just tell it to, without too much detail. I don't want to embarrass him by this cause, cause he tells it and he thinks it's quite hilarious. He walked into a pet store and apparently walked past all of these birds and didn't notice it. And when he turned around and saw he was surrounded by bird cages with all these bird faces <laughs> balking at him, he, uh, I guess started to back out of the store in a panic and knocked over some dog treats or something that was quite like ball bearings. Oh no. He was trying to walk backward out of the store. Then he knocked over a gas pump. And... He's slipping and sliding. <laughs> and he's just trying to get out oh, of the store. No. And, uh, Pulling over more stuff as yeah. he's slipping and sliding. Fish tanks. Birds are getting out of cages. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like people who are afraid of birds, man, they do not have an easy time with uh, with like chickens where they just stupidly walk right up to you yeah. in like a farm setting or um, like in Jim's case, even in a, you know, they're caged. That can be pretty terrifying when suddenly you realize you're surrounded by them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, what are they, chickadees? The ones that are at the place in Hawaii where you can just... Hold out a handful of food and they'll land on your hand and eat it. Mm-hmm. They do not care. They're like, oh, cool, free food. Yeah. You feel their little claws on your fingertips? You can feed the birds at the zoo like that. 
Yeah. All the little lovebirds and buy a handful of food and they come down and eat it out of your hand. Yeah. I'm not, I'm... Yeah, I've, I've never been afraid of birds, uh, but when I went to Australia, of course, where all the it's it just it's just Skull Island. Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, so yeah, you see those birds walking around, and uh, yeah, you turn around and there's like they're ten feet away from you, and they're at eye level. Yeah, yeah, emu and stuff. It's just yeah, yeah ostriches oh, and emus. There's the dinosaurs. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah, see they look like huge dinosaurs. legs with the yeah, it's just T Rex legs. Yeah. You feel them thumping as they come closer. Yeah, and they're just looking at you, you know, eye level. <laughs> just like, ooh. Yeah, you can um, you can make friends with crows to an extent, but ravens. Um, yeah, Corvidae will remember you. They'll remember yeah, what you've very... done. They, were, you know, they, were, they persecuted our uh, cat for killing one. Oh no! They're always remembered. Yeah, my dad grew up with a pair of crows, and they would. Uh, <clears throat> tease the dog mercilessly. He would try to sleep on the porch and they'd fly down and peck him in the back and fly back up and laugh. And then my uncle, who was three or four, he had a rubber frog he loved and he carried it everywhere. And they came down and, and took it from him and mm. went up in the tree and just tore it apart and laughed and oh, laughed man. and laughed. But they, like, they'll remember a kindness as well. They'll um, like year after year. Oh yeah, they like my dad. They like they, him. they'll drop off gifts. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. They like to steal pins. Men would wear pins in their shirt pocket, and they could swoop down and snatch it out mm. of their pocket, and they'd be gone. You never see that pin again. Apparently, one of the, the crows in in the movie is called Archie. Oh. Him and uh, Rod Taylor hated each other. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they're in the same scene, then that. That crow go for him is the one that tries to bite him when he comes out of the house at the end. Okay, yeah, that's Artie. Okay, <laughs> and we've all heard the story about the university study where they were like, "Well, if we mess with crows, but we we're careful to yes. wear the Dick Cheney masks." Where, where, is it Nixon masks? What's, I think Nixon. I heard it was Dick Cheney, but it, it, Nixon works too. I mean, you know, I thought it was all the former presidents. So they were robbing <laughs> banks. <laughs> They're just testing the crows of the different presidents. Yeah. I said get Michael Myers masks, <laughs> not Mike Myers. Um, but yeah, they were doing some study where they had the uh, the mask on and and uh, the crows that they were harassing or provoking in whatever way. Um, Your just, mama jokes. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, decided to find out, you know, would they recognize the same person if they weren't wearing the mask and they didn't because they're doing facial recognition but then they put the mask on upside down and if i'm remembering this correctly they would fly by and then turn their head as they were going by or bank a complete upside down turn just to check it out and make sure they saw what they thought they saw and then go back to try and harass nixon or dick cheney or whoever it was um don't underestimate how smart crows are and i mean raven's have a speech center in their brain so they're all pretty smart yeah carpets yeah magpies and a whole lot yeah magpies are pretty clever Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to procuring food yeah it's kind of their job i guess but yeah crows gifting shiny objects Mm -hmm. that's pretty fascinating i've i've heard of a few of those instances yeah they They have a kind of the same thing they've trained birds to pick up Litter and cigarette butts. Oh, they did that in Seattle. And they... They had the vending they, machine. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. yeah they, they fly up and drop a bottle cap in there and get some food. Yeah, drop a little nugget of food out. You know, that's how Planet of the Apes started, though. You got to watch you what know, you're doing, because Planet of the Crows is a lot scarier. Probably. You can reason with the apes. Could you? Maybe. Well, until they give you a lobotomy, I guess. Uh, so, so um, another artist who was fascinated by birds was Hieronymus Bosch. Oh, of oh, course, yeah. birds featured in his paintings. Yeah, he had a lot of crow people in hell. Yeah, birds often uh, observing humans. Interesting. And the, these were both artists who uh, regarded themselves as deformed and desiring. Um, things they couldn't get to because they were misshapen. Hmm. I guess I never knew that about him. I wrote I wrote a paper about his art, but didn't know that he had any deformities. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what his were, but you know, Hitch was always aware of his own fluctuating weight. Yeah. Which he didn't do anything about. Yeah, he was he was into gastronomy a bit too much yeah he's like uh, i think i'll just eat some more delicious food while i contemplate <laughs> why i'm overweight <laughs> and i'll tell you about the wine i'm pairing with it um so as you can see like birds in like psycho you got the watching yeah predatory birds yeah we we get um falcons here in denver and they are or not falcons but uh, hawks and they are pretty um impressive yeah the size and speed of those birds, like you watch them flap their wings once or twice and then just zoom. Oh, yeah, those peregrine falcons, they're super fast when they're coming off towers. Oh, yeah. And I, they, they hit a pigeon or whatever they want to hit in the ground, splat, gone. Yeah, there's no chance. You know, like if you have small dogs, you have to be pretty careful. Yeah, I forget what speed they go at, but they're super like fast. Like 200 miles an hour or something. Yeah, Terminal velocity. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I saw one, uh, Hit a pigeon in the air here, and just you know, puff of feathers. Yeah, pigeon's gone. Gone. Yeah, sometimes you didn't even see the the falcon. Yeah, yeah. Want to be killed by a bird and peregrine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's over. Quick. Budgies are the worst ones. <laughs> yeah, them. yeah. They have, they have to get a lot of them, and it's arduous. And they and just pin you down, and it's then painful. Press you to death. Just more and more pile on. And when they when they start to do that to me, you know, I'm going to say more budgies. More budgies, yes. <laughs> That's what I'll tell them. Um, another person fascinated by birds, Freud. Freud, of course. Another person who has mother issues, Freud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so his mother. Lucille was a big Ball bird. was evidently afraid of birds, and I believe she had mother issues too. Freud had a, a dream which altered his thinking a lot when he was developing psychoanalysis. Or he dreamed of uh, uh, his mother being carried into his room by bird-headed men. Wow. Okay. And if you, if you look at his photos of his study, you see all these statues of Horus and... Oh, yeah. Bird people. Bird people. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, interesting. That dude had issues. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <You> think? <laughs> Somebody should have psychoanalyzed him. He got into psychoanalysis because he didn't want to actually touch people. <laughs> he, oh. wanted, he wanted to do something medical, but he didn't want to touch people. It's, it's gross. <laughs> Ew, it just makes me yeah, squirm. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. I, 
I couldn't be a doctor having to deal with stupid sick people all the time. <laughs> um, so are, are talking about various themes that yeah, sure to look for in this film if you if you want to. Um, uh, failure of relationships running thread. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, failure of communication. Yeah. So you've got a general store office post office that doesn't know local people's names. Um, she she's got a letter to Mitch that she tears up. Hmm. Um, as a dismissive policeman. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're just standing there telling him what's going on, and he's like dismissing everything they say. Um, there's there's the scene where they're yelling at the man who's got his match. And he's like standing in a puddle of gas. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And because they're all yelling at once, he doesn't know what they're saying. Yeah. Boom. Um, yeah. Um, I, I've read uh, like uh, queer takes on this where they, they, there's a take on the Annie Hayworth, Melanie Daniels dynamic. Oh, yeah. They got definite lesbian vibes off them. I thought so. I yeah. kind of got that. Um, there was an attraction there. She's got a a record which is very prominent during one of the scenes, which is a, a an LP of Tristan and Isolde. Hmm. You know that one? I don't know that one. Um, mm. So uh, Tristan is a knight from Cornwall. This has been made into an opera and yeah. films and so on. Um, so he's a knight from Cornwall, which is the location of the Daphne de Moray story. Right. Um, and he's sent to escort Isolde back from she's she's from an irish royal family oh, okay. which cornwall was at war with and um not this isn't modern day by the way no no all, this was they, in they the 60s love each other now yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so he, he's escorting the soldier back from ireland to uh king mark of cornwall and uh but they drink a love potion on the boat which uh whichever version of the poem you you read is deliberate or accidental or someone yeah like roofies them so they fall in and they fall in love with each other but they also both love king mark so there's this triangle ah develops so you can there's kind of echoes in the verse i don't know how far you can take that but if a record's if something's displayed that prominently Mm-hmm. It's probably. It's not by mistake that, or by some accident that it yeah. got displayed there prominently. Like watching it this time, you see when he goes to the, uh, when she goes into the home of um, Mitch's family, um, they've got a missing father. Mm-hmm. You only see the bottom of his portrait until uh, there's been the the bird invasion, and uh, she the the mother is seeing her. Her past has been wrecked. She has to come to terms with the new yeah. reality. And that's when you see the full portrait. You don't see it up to that point. Hmm. I don't know how far you can take that, but I just yeah. noticed it this time around. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Other things to look for. Um, this has been interpreted as like um, nuclear war. Oh, yeah. Parable. I could see that. Um, all right. There's a lot of sight references to sight. Uh, characters say, I see or you see over 40 times. Wow. I wonder how that would stack up, you know, against a, an average film. Mm-hmm. You know, would, would, it, would average be 20 or 30 or would average be 5 or 10? Yeah. Um, sequences tend to end with a character staring into space. 
Hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, or you know, are they staring to the? Uh, they're usually staring to the sky, which is the realm of the birds. Yeah. It's like a, an infinity that they're looking into. Um, one character's eyes gouged out. Um, Kathy is playing blind man's buff at a party. Mm -hmm. uh, her friend's glasses are broken when there's an attack on the school. Um, Melanie is so traumatized, she strikes Mitch as he tries to help her. Um, she doesn't see him. Mm. Huh. Uh, a, uh, another Hitchcock character said, uh, we scratch and claw, but only at the air, only at each other. <laughs> you know who that was? No. Norman Bates. Okay. Oh. Um, it's a cool line. Yeah, but, uh, I read another reviewer who said the bird attacks exteriorize the failure of human relations. This is uh, Fellini's favorite Hitchcock, by the way. Really? He loves it. He says it's one of the all-time great movies. Uh, he called it a poem. Which is really perceptive because if you see it, it's, it's not structured like a normal film. There's not really yeah. The storytelling is very different. Ending to it, it, it he 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 saw it as more as a, as a series of stanzas. So um, each bird incident follows a scene of a character fearing abandonment. Huh. Hmm. I would watch it again and look for oh, that. Yeah. As every character is emotionally isolated, the mother fearing abandonment by the son. You see that also in Notorious and Psycho. And, yeah. Um, Melanie tells Mitch she was ditched by her mother when she was 11, when mm -hmm. they're on the hill, just before the bird attack on the party for an 11-year-old girl. Oh. Okay. Uh, you, you watch that. It's, it's there. Yeah. That is really cool. So yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, there's, there's always things to look for and read into it if you like. But um, hugely influential movie, like this is the model for eco horror and the apocalyptic horror movie, and yeah, Antichrist films, and um, it's all over Night of the Living Dead. Oh yeah, right down to the sound design. Oh, for like sure. when when she gets killed with a trowel, that's the bird cries, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the electronic bird cries. You got the catatonic blonde. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's like Psycho. People are up against doom from a clear sky. It's it's a modern taken horror. Yeah, it does come completely out of nowhere. It's just like, oh, look. Yeah, no reason. Yeah, there's a bunch of birds. Oh, well. One day you would, it's normal. and then The next day you're getting pecked to death. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that cafe scene, you know, everyone's just like joshing around and, and just... Yeah. Sunny afternoon, and then five minutes later, town's destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Denver with the wind. Yeah, you're just minding your own business, doing something, and all of a sudden, it's crazy wind. Yeah, like nature doesn't care what you think. Yeah, so, I was out today, and it was like um, one of those uh, umbrellas you have over a, an outside table. Yeah, parasol. Yeah. Parasol, yes, sir. And it was perfectly perpendicularly upside down in the top of a tree. Oh, wow. That's great. Somebody did not fasten that thing down. <laughs> now they don't have one. Yeah. It's kind of like Charlie Brown and the kite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Is that a huge kite? But no, it was an upside down purple parasol. <laughs> yeah, we get uh, 
not just the wind, but the sideways rain here. Uh, luckily, we don't get a lot of like locusts and stuff like that. Not yet, anyway. Well, well we're moths, working on it. The moths are amazing. Yeah, the Miller moth invasion is quite a quite a sight to behold. Yeah, I should have picked Mothra every, every evening. I I like, had to. We got a shed, and and so I stand to one side of it like a cop, <laughs> <laughs> and just like open it up, and then there's like this cloud of them come out. Yeah, I do that every evening so that bats can have something. That's yeah, what they're I take for. the cat out and he eats some flying bat chow. He loves little snacks, right? Yeah, but they eat lots of insects. I was, I was really. Uh, uh, this is off topic, of course. But, yeah, you know, it's but what they're doing is migrating. I didn't know they lived that long. Yeah, that's amazing. They migrate from the the plains to the mountains mm-hmm. and then back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem to migrate from outside to inside and just kind of <laughs> die here you know while eating sweaters and getting eaten by chihuahuas oh yeah back window looked like amityville it's crazy i don't think they eat sweaters i don't think that's the kind well i think they they drip they they drip something that burns a hole in the sweater i don't know what it is but no some moths eat sweaters but miller moths i don't believe they don't eat. i don't believe so and somebody did it i went to I went to try on my suit that had been in the closet for a year or two or three or five. And the clothing little, monster, little tiny guys. Little ones? Yeah. So those are the ones we should vacuum up? Yeah. Miller moths we'll eat it. tiny insects. And, oh, so yeah. the Miller moths will eat those moths, maybe. Maybe. Unless they got some kind of agreement worked out, you know, some sort of honor among thieves. But they, they uh, no, they're not carnivores. They eat uh, pollen, that's what I meant. Oh, uh, do they? Yeah. They got a lot of work to do around here. Right. Yeah, a lot of pollen. Uh, evidently, bears like them. Really, bears eat, eat them. Eat like forty thousand of them in a in a sitting. <laughs> Just snorting which rails I, of them. <laughs> I which I believe I had on my back porch. It's about forty thousand of them. Yeah, yeah. They get in the porch and then they can't get out. Yeah, they're not very clever. No, they can get in places. I don't know how the hell they get in the the truck. They get in the truck. They get in any little little crevice. They want to live in little, sleep in little crevices. So maybe they come through the vents? Yeah, yeah, they can <laughs> do any of that. Yeah, start up the car and all of a sudden I got a couple moths in there with me. And it's like, I know you didn't fly in when I opened the door. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Uh, well, um, should we do the recommends? Yes. All right. Well, this movie, as as listeners may have noticed, has many layers to it and a lot of observations you could make. Jolie, and I love that part about the poetry of uh, the way the scenes follow particular scenes. Um, I want to rewatch it soon and look for that. Um, that being said, Will, do you recommend it? No. <laughs> Watch Birdemic. <laughs> One star. It's so much better. Meh. Yeah. Birds, boring, so boring, and predictable. I knew absolutely everything was going to happen. I saw The Sopranos. I turned it off after five minutes. I saw The Sopranos. I knew this was going to have a Sopranos ending. Yeah. Bird was going to shoot somebody in the head and the screen would go black. Uh, No, obviously I recommend this. It's kind of a duh. Uh, It's almost a rhetorical question. How have you not seen it yet? What are you waiting for? Why are you listening to the show? Go watch The Birds. Yeah, it's on Netflix, which you probably have a password for. Yeah. Jolien. Yep, love it. 
duh. Yeah, I love it too. Uh, great movie. It's gorgeous. Um, and again, you know, I knew there was a lot, a lot of moving parts, a lot going on, but I wasn't aware of some of this stuff. And uh, it's pretty fascinating. So, um, yeah, uh, next pick is going to be you, Julian. Do you have anything lined up? Um, well, uh, I haven't seen Orphan, and that's on Max, I think. Yeah, is this before the orphan grows into a full-fledged adult? Well, let's not spoil things before we even do the episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, there's a the sequel where I think they use the same actor who's yeah, yeah. no longer a child. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, hey, what's Danny from The Shining doing? We, we need a kid in a movie. Well, Danny's like 43, so no. <laughs> but if you want to do moth horror, we can do Blood Beast Terror. Ooh. Well, um, what would... I, I think it's on... Um, we could do the orphan. I mean, Prime we could well. do Blood Beast Terror, either one. Yeah, let's do Whatever Blood you Beast do. Terror. So they're both easy to see. Okay, cool. So uh, with that being that, um, let's call it a show. Listeners, thanks for listening. Watch out for the birds. <laughs>